0: Welcome and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to c 3 Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. church, we have been in a series titled The Supernatural, and that felt uh, particularly relevant over the Halloween weekend. That was probably my favorite weekend to preach it, just because I was like, yeah, we're talking about this, guys. Um, but it's been a fun series. I believe this is the last week of the Supernatural series. Yes, excellent. I do know something. That's great. And um, it's very fascinating to me because, well, mankind, as we know, has always been very intrigued by the supernatural. Like, no matter what your core belief system, religion, lack of religion, whatever, there's always been something um, that is intrinsically drawn that maybe there is something more than just what we can touch and what we can see. And this has been evident uh, in our movies, in our entertainment, and our books, and in, in ancient fol- folklore. There's always been this uh, fascination of, is there more than what we can touch and see in the here and now? And uh, I think it's not only fascinating the idea of the supernatural, but I actually think it's really fascinating how fascinated we are by the supernatural. I think it is an indicator of something within us, something, an indicator of something that was built within us to recognize that maybe there is more than just what we can touch and see. And so um, as Christians... We don't just believe that the supernatural world is a possibility. We believe it exists. It's actually a fundamental requirement as a Christian that you believe in some sort of supernatural, that it exists. And uh, this uh, belief is based around the idea that there is one God, a good God, who is the origin of absolutely everything. And... um, if you guys have been around through uh, the through series, Pastor Dave, at the very beginning of the series, he preached the message about the different perspectives about the relevance of actual, the actual supernatural in our lives today. Because although as Christians, we all kind of have to believe the supernatural exists because we believe there's God, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, it's a bit supernatural, we don't all agree on the relevance of what that actually means in our day-to-day lives. Um, and so Pastor Dave went through that, and it was a, I think it's a really good a starting point, if anything I'm saying today is confusing or you just want more context. But as a church, as a church, we believe not only is God ready and willing to interfere in our natural worlds, but we actually want him to. We actually want him to be involved. We actually want him to interfere. We actually want him to, to break in. Um, and as for me, well... Um, I am, breaking news, I'm no expert on the supernatural, (laughs) by any means, I don't claim to have authority on the subject matter, Um, I don't secretly have a book in the works, Um, I know, shocking to all of you. But I do know this, I do know this, that as believers, what we believe does not always come out in how we behave probably as often as it should. And that is true in my life more than anyone else's. But this is definitely true when it comes to seeing the supernatural at work in our natural lives. We look at scriptures like John 14, 12, when Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I do believe in Jesus, I believe he was the son of God, I don't think he was a liar, but um, I'm not exactly living as if I'm doing greater works than these. And so often there is this gap between what I believe, what, what I believe to be true, and the actual reality of my life. And as a pastor, this gap frustrates me to no end. It aggravates me, it even grieves me sometimes because I know as a people, we are not yet experiencing the fullness of what he has for us. And not only that, we are not being as um, effective as we could be in reaching the people God has asked us as a church to reach. All First right, Corinthians 4.20, he says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. But I'm like, uh, I think my world's mostly talk (laughs) and good intentions, but not so much power, right? So what's the deal? So the title for my message today, for all the vast numbers of note takers I can see, sorry, preacher sarcasm, um, is the key player, the key player. I'm just gonna pray before we move forward. God, once again, I just thank you. I thank you for the simple fact that we can come and gather together to be with you, to learn about you, to, to worship you, to connect with each other. I thank you that we are able to be here in, in the same room and just come together for this moment to give you your undivided attention. And I ask God that you would honor the willingness, you would honor the expectation of each person here, and that as I just... Speak in these next few minutes, God, that the things that are from you, the things that are divine, the things that you want for people to take into those worlds, their world, would those just be stuck in their hearts? Would those things just be heard so profoundly and would everything else just sort of fall away, God? God, it is my greatest prayer that when we leave this church building today that we would go into this next week with a more expanded understanding of who you are and your love for us. And I thank you, God, that my computer turned back on. In Jesus' name, amen. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And yet, the church, in a broad sense, has not seemed very powerful in recent times. In my opinion, in Canada, anyways. And there's a lot of theories and reasons for the distinct lack of God's power in our lives today in in the 20th century. Some argue it's apathy. Um, Some argue that in our Western society, there's not much that we truly need. We don't really need God. So our desire to actually see him move is minimal. Um, Some think maybe a prevalence of skepticism is holding back. Maybe there's a holiness issue at play. But whatever the reason or combinations between the lack of power we see and experience, I do know that it doesn't have to stay that way. And it's not God's intention for things to stay that way. And we don't need to settle for how things are now because that's all we have ever known or because hype has failed us in the past. If I were you, I'd amen that one because that means something to me. Or things don't have to stay that way just because it's so hard for us to imagine things differently. A couple weeks ago now, I had the privilege of going back east and um, spent some time with some some of my pastor friends over there. And they're updating me on some of the miracles they had been seeing in their church. And uh, specifically, um, Pastor Carolyn, she showed me this picture of this girl. I don't know, she's probably eight or nine. And uh, it was on the day that she had just got her clean bill of health from stage 4 cancer. And this girl, she had, she was very frail, no hair, but the biggest smile on her face. Like, I have never seen a more radiant smile. And then come to find out, it wasn't a recent photo, it was a photo from over a year ago now, and they just had got confirmed that she's still cancer-free, and her and her mom are in one of their church locations, and it was just this really cool thing. And we were talking about other things, and financial miracles, and. How during one service a few people got um, healed from like really debilitating ADHD, and we left because they weren't praying for that because like we're like we didn't know you we were supposed to pray for like mental health issues like or, or different sort of things like we pray for headaches and injuries but it's like oh God was healing us of things we weren't even asking for like that's amazing and and so I was getting um, excited and you know my faith was kind of building while I'm talking to these people but at the same time. <laughs> I could also feel myself getting, like, jealous. Right? I, after thinking about it, I thought that I should tell you that I was experiencing righteous hunger, is what it was. Um, yes, it was righteous hunger for that. Uh, like, but I want more of that in my life. I want more of that in this church. I know God uh, wants things to change in our world and the expectations of his power to increase in our lives because he says it pretty clearly in here. Right, He wants his church all over the world not just to be a, um, a charity or, or a safe social club, but a powerful representation of his son. And if we, if you and I are representations of Jesus here on earth, then we are to be a source of truth, a source of hope, a source of freedom, and even a source of the miraculous. Of healings from diseases, body, yes, but of mind and spirit as well. And when I close my eyes and when I was praying for you guys here today and and when I pray for my family and my children and, and the people in my life, I can, I can start to see it. Like, I can start to sort of see and feel what it might look like for the supernatural to be more normal, or more of a regular part of our lives. It's like, I can see it and I can imagine some of it, but it seems like there's such a gap still between what I can see in my heart or imagine what I read in scriptures and what things actually look like in my life right now. And recently I've been praying like, Jesus, like what's it gonna take? Like what do I need to be doing differently? What, what do I need to add? Uh, Do I need to be more spiritual? uh, Do I need to get more disciplined? Should I be praying in tongues more? Should I be fasting? Should I be getting you guys to fast? Like, will I ever believe enough? Will I ever be spiritual enough or, or discerning enough? What am I doing wrong? Am I doing anything right? Why does it feel like the supernatural world is either more of a fairy tale or something that happens over there in the third world churches? And God taught me that there was a problem with this approach, <laughs> that there was a fundamental error to, to my whole approach and my prayers, and it was that my eyes were entirely on me, what I had or didn't have, what I need to do or, or not do. Uh, I was consumed um, with a good intention way or whatever, or with my own faith. I was consumed with my own struggle and not on the very source of the things that I was desiring in my heart. Right, I so easily look at myself and look to myself rather than God. And this is a default. This is a default, especially in our culture, to look to oneself for all of our answers, right? right we hear it all the time, like believe in yourself and trust in yourself and Lyme number one and all these things. So, so it is a default to look to oneself for answers. And so it's like I look at the quality of my faith as if I could like pull it out and look at it. I'm trying to determine if my faith alone is good enough or powerful enough for God to perform a miracle in someone else's life. If you and I want to see God at work in our lives in a supernatural way, it doesn't require an impressive spirituality. It doesn't require an excellent personality or a rock and worship band. It doesn't require a wild, inspiring exhortation at church. And for the record, we love to be loud in church. We're actually gonna get more loud. We wanna be joyful and alive, and I think noise is a good sign, but while loud noise can be an indicator of many things, noise is not an indicator of God's power. We don't have to strive to get God's attention. And what God has been teaching me in a new way is that the reality of activating the supernatural in our lives, of seeing more power, more tangible change for his kingdom, has very little to do with me. What I have or don't have. And it has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. Everything. Now, this is this little bit here is the only teachy theology thing I'm going to get, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Um, we believe God is a trinity, three in one. This is arguably the most annoying thing to explain to anyone ever, um, which I'm not going to attempt to do today, but there's some great analogies and teachings out there. But um, anyways, uh, we believe God is a trinity. We believe there is God the Father. He is seated upon the throne. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And then we have Jesus on his right-hand side. And Jesus, he is the reason we have access to God. He is the reason we have salvation. Our sins are forgiven. He's, um, He's where every need in our life is met. And then we have Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is the only member of the Trinity who is here with us on earth today. And he works in conjunction with God the Father and Jesus the Son. And it's interesting because God, he looked at us and with love, he gave us Jesus, his Son, to show us how to live, to reconnect us to him. And so then Jesus came and did his work. And then when Jesus left, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Right next to salvation, the most incredible, valuable gift, comprehensible, the most incredible thing Jesus could give us. And now Holy Spirit is here to do anything and everything that Jesus would do if he were still walking among us in person today. Right, so think about that. If Jesus were here with us in person, what would he be doing? Right, what would he be doing? Where would he be sitting? Who would he be going to lunch with? What would he be doing around our dinner tables At our schools because that's what we've been asked to do but in conjunction and by being empowered by Holy Spirit Jesus quoted in John 14 16 17 he said I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever the spirit of truth The world cannot accept him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then finally in John 15.26, when Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, he says, but the helper... Whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me, to act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything I have told you. That's my favorite because we have very short term memory when it comes to listening to things Jesus taught us. It's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. don't do that. So we've got the Helper, the Spirit of Truth. He is the secret. Holy Spirit is a secret to the power of God in our lives and in our church. He's what gives us strength to have faith in Jesus day to day. He is perfect. He is powerful. And wherever you find the presence of the Holy Spirit, there will always be the supernatural. Right? We want more evidence of the supernatural in our lives. We want a more effective life of faith and of impact and of influence. Then what we need is more Holy Spirit. Right? We need to know him more, to, to recognize him, to work with him, to welcome him, to spend time with him, to love him, to let him love us. Right? See, Jesus, Jesus, the person whom Christianity is built on, he sent us the Holy Spirit. Because although he showed us how to live and he told us what to do, he said, we're going to need help doing it. He didn't even do it on his own. He said, this is what we need to do. This is what I need you to accomplish as a representation of me on this earth. But you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. But with Holy Spirit, we are not limited to our natural abilities, to our skill set, to our education level, to our opportunities. With Holy Spirit, we're not limited by the natural world, right? Holy Spirit is our divine solution. See, we don't need to seek manifestations or try and figure out how to get more signs and we don't even have to seek miracles. We just have to seek Him. Because where you find the presence of the Holy Spirit, there will always be the supernatural not wherever you find the presence of a spiritual leader or a good worship leader, not wherever there's fog machines in church, and I like fog machines, but wherever you find the presence of the Holy Spirit, there will be the supernatural. So here's the thing that I feel like I am responsible for getting deeply grounded in us. This is very important. Here's what I need us to get a grasp on um, before we start to see more miracles and more crazy things happening among us because I do believe we are gonna start to see more miracles and more tangible change. But I am never gonna heal anyone. I am not a healer. I am not a faith healer. I can do nothing for you. (laughs) say at the end of the service we have an altar call and it's amazing and everyone's feeling the feels and I pray for someone and you get healed of a disease. Let it never be said that Kimberly Olson healed someone. Let it never be said that C3 Church is healing people or the Murrays or, or the Collins or the Olsons or whatever. Let it never be said because it's Holy Spirit who is the source. And the Holy Spirit himself, who, who's the most incredible force or, or power or presence on earth, when he moves, he doesn't even take credit. He doesn't even take credit. He always instead points to Jesus. So if when he moves, he always points to Jesus every single time, then so will we. Right? If even the Holy Spirit is never boastful, then we won't be either. And it's this crazy backwards way of thinking that comes into place again and again as followers of Jesus because it's removing ourselves as the key player. I need to remove myself as the key player in my life if I want to see more supernatural things take place in my life. And it feels so counterintuitive to think that the way to spiritual fulfillment is not by making one's life greater or by building up my own sense of uh, importance or my own sense of fame or power, but actually by stepping aside and letting him take the lead, letting Jesus take the limelight. Because by letting Holy Spirit guide my decisions, I am becoming a bit less so he can become more. And if this is a new concept to you, um, this might even sound demeaning at first because religion over the years has managed to twist this principle into something that says, if you're not the leader of your own life, it decreases your value as a human or your value or your worth, but it's actually the opposite. Because in surrendering the life we are trying to build for ourselves or have built for ourselves or are planning for ourselves, in surrendering that is when we actually find the greatest life imaginable. Right? By laying down the identity we want or think we want or the identity we were told we have, by laying that down, then we can receive an identity that is of eternal value. right? Jesus said, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So by letting go of control of the things in our world, we're able to see greater things take place because it's no longer up to us to make them happen. If we let go of control and let something else take control, then we're not limited to just what we alone are capable of doing on our own. And I said this earlier that um, the supernatural moving, seeing more supernatural in our lives has very little to do with me and everything to do with the Holy Spirit. But I don't mean that there isn't a cost. I do think there is a cost. But that cost is so simple. It's, it's how much control we're willing to let go of. Right? The cost is simply letting Holy Spirit take the role as the key player. And this is hard to do and I think it's funny when I like think about it because I'm like God. I want you to move more, God. I want you to heal my friends, and I want you to. I want miracles to take place in my family and all these things. And but then I'm like, God changed my life and the those those around me. But here's an hour on Sunday, and then like here's a five minute devotional slot here and there. God, I want you to move radically. But here's my schedule, and um, oh, and here are my priorities. So like if you can tell me where you fit in, that would be good. Do you think you can change everything with these couple minutes here and there? Now we've got to remove ourselves as a key player in our lives. And it's not demeaning, it's empowering. Because I know as I begin to let the Holy Spirit increase in my life, so will the supernatural. And as we get to know him more, we will begin to work in conjunction with him to do the will of Jesus on our earth. In Kelowna, in Vernon, in Revelstoke, and beyond. Now, I don't know why this feels weird. Maybe it's because I'm Canadian. But I I can personally say I do know the Holy Spirit. I do have a relationship with Holy Spirit. But there is so much more. I've got the sense lately that I'm like just, you know, it's just beginning. My relationship with him has just begun, it feels like. And although I've been around here now for 10 years, I've actually never preached on the Holy Spirit before because I was afraid I'd accidentally like corner him or limit him in my attempt to explain who he is. Because ultimately there are not enough words or are no words effective enough to describe him. Some of you might be familiar with A.W. Tozer um, and he once said those who most enjoyed the power of spirit have had the least to say about him by way of attempted definition. The Bible saints who walked in this spirit never tried to explain him. And that's starting to make more sense to me. And so perhaps what I've realized lately is, even though it feels like I know very little about Holy Spirit, that what I do know about him is enough for him to move. What you do know about him is enough for him to move. I know I love him. I know he has comforted me in the darkest situations of my life. I know he has guided me and protected me. I know he's uh, brought me peace when anxiety was taken over. I know he has a sense of humor. I know he has personality, emotion, intellect, a will, that he's not just a nebulous substance like a like the smoke from a fog machine? So these are some of the things that I'm, I've gotten to know about him. And to be clear, I joke sometimes that I was born on the pew because I've been a Christian my whole life. Went to a Christian school, grew up in church. So I've actually known about the Holy Spirit for a very long time. But how many people know that knowing about someone and actually knowing someone are two very different things? And I really believe that God wants to do today is that God wants to transition many of us here from actually knowing about the Holy Spirit to actually knowing Him. Right? Because Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. I want to seek you more than miraculous. Like I want to know you as a physician more than I want to know a healing. God, and I want all these people to know you more. And I'm aware that some of us here, that we have no interest in in going there, essentially, in getting to know the Holy Spirit or accepting that. And I can't force you into wanting to know the Holy Spirit. I have no desire to manipulate anyone. But for others here, I do know that there is something that is stirring in you. That I do know that, whether it's this morning or whether it's been in the last few weeks, that there has been a growing longing for more of his presence in your life. Now, yeah, in your world, yes, but also within you. And I don't think there's a guaranteed set of rules or, or formula, so to speak, a guaranteed formula to getting to know Holy Spirit more, just like I don't think there's a guaranteed set of rules or formula to making you know, a marriage work. But I do know there's principles. Because Holy Spirit is a person, so there is guidelines. So, for example, I know or over the course of the relationship with my husband, of Josiah, the more time I spent with him, the more I got to know him. The more I listened to him and talked to him, the more I began to understand how he worked. But in that process, I couldn't fill 24 hours of my day just with the things that I wanted, or else I would have never got to know him. I had to go beyond small talk. I had to reveal part of who I was and and vice versa. And now our lives are so intertwined that he is a vital part of my life. And I feel God's heart, I feel Holy Spirit's heart desiring to be a a vital part of our lives. And I know it's weird to think that we could have a relationship, like a a normal relationship or whatever, probably not normal, but we can have a relationship with, with a spiritual being, with a Holy Ghost, if you will with someone who is unseen, but we can. We absolutely can, simply by inviting him in, by making room, by listening, by having conversation, by going beyond small talk with the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna invite some sort of musical presence back up here. I'm not the leader of this church by any means, but I, I do feel confident in saying that in this church, we are not gonna be indifferent to Holy Spirit. We want it to be noticeable whether he is absent or present in our services. I want it to be noticeable if he is here or not or overlooked or not. And in a few moments for anyone who wants to join me, I'm, I'm gonna lead, lead us in prayer to invite more Holy Spirit into our lives. And I'm not gonna get weird, I think, anyways but we don't have to be uber weird Christians in order to live supernatural lives because we were actually designed for this the supernatural is meant to be normal right it's become abnormal but God willing it will become normal in our lives again it will become normal as we begin to begin to give up the things in our lives that don't actually have much worth in order to give him more room to move So I'm going to um, I'm going to pray in a moment for anyone who wants to uh, an increase of Holy Spirit in their life. But it's funny; I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to take care of something first. There is something greater than the healing of sick bodies, or financial miracles, or or crazy miracles like that, and they're incredible and exciting. But there is something far greater, and the terminology we use is something that Jesus called being born again because it's the beginning of a new life, right? It's, it's a life where you and God are no longer distanced from each other, but you're brought close because of Jesus. But it is a life where you're no longer the leader of your own life. You let Jesus take the lead. But every sin, every flaw, every dark place it will no longer keep you at distance from God because Jesus took all those things upon himself on the cross. And we call this salvation. It's a gift and you can have it if you want it. If you choose to come to Jesus, he is yours. He is ready and waiting and willing. And it's funny because again, I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit but I know that this is what Holy Spirit wants most, for people to know Jesus. So if everyone could just close their eyes for a moment just to make a scary moment, slightly less scary. I'm going to ask if anyone is ready to follow Jesus and I'm not going to call you up here but I might have someone follow up with you later just to, just to be honest. <laughs> but if anyone here is ready to follow Jesus, ready to let go of just living for themselves and start living for him, if anyone is ready for a clean slate to be forgiven if anyone is ready to commit your life to the way of Jesus which is what being a Christian means would you just raise your hand right now amazing would everyone stand with me please, thank you I'm just going to pray this next prayer and I encourage you all to join in with me if you're comfortable because I know for me, I can never re-give my life to God enough times. I love declaring my surrender to him. So repeat after me if you're comfortable. Jesus, I am ready to follow you. I am ready to do things your way. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Thank you for inviting me into your family. Amen. Now while we're all standing, let's just give a few moments for the Holy Spirit to do a little bit more. And Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, if you then, being sinful by nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask him? So God, we are calling on your word, on your promise this morning. We thank you that you say you are willing to give us the Holy Spirit if it is what we desire. If we ask this of you. And Holy Spirit, if there is anything I know, if all of my faith falls apart, I know that Jesus is who he says he is and I know I need Holy Spirit. I know this church needs you. I know our families need you. I know our children need you. I know our schools need you and our businesses and our country. And I know I can't fix anything. (laughs) But with you, anything is possible. Spirit, would you come right now? Holy Spirit, would you come right now? We honor you. We love you. We praise you. We exalt you. You are good. You are the one. I won't drag this out forever, church, but let's If this is your desire to see more of God move in your life, to see something real, something beyond the natural world, would you just tell him that in your own words? It could be you just saying, I want to know you, God, over and over. If you don't know what to say, that's fine. It doesn't matter what you say. It's our hearts turning to him. So right now, God, we say we welcome you into our lives. We wanna see you move. We wanna be a people. whose reputation is built on you moving. We want to be a people who is not known for fancy services, for good sermons, for whatever. We want to be a people who are known for their conviction of the reality of Holy Spirit in our lives. For what you're doing. Listen, I'm gonna turn the service over to the band to sing this song one more time. But I'm telling you, God is starting something. You might get distracted, but bring your focus back around to him because he is starting something in you. And it will continue as we continue to draw upon him. Jesus.